Welcome to the Product Podcast, brought to you by Product School, the podcast where you get fresh insight from leaders at top tech companies and startups. Remember, you can learn product management in person at our 15 campuses worldwide or study with us online. Visit productschool.com to learn more about our courses. You can also hang out with the leaders from these podcasts at our hundreds of annual events and catch us at ProductCon, the world's largest PM conference that takes place every year across the United States and in London. Most of you in this room either already have or will at some point have the opportunity to craft your own product strategy. And maybe you're doing that as a role of CEO, founder, or head of product, and you're crafting the strategy for the entire company. Or maybe you're driving an initiative and crafting the strategy within that. Or maybe you're working on an individual product area, and whether you know it or not, you have the opportunity to drive a larger strategy around what you're doing. Product strategy is one of the core points of impact that we have in product management. And yet, despite that, unlike user testing, split testing, sprint planning, and all the other core tactical pieces of product management, there aren't really a lot of good frameworks or guidelines on how to craft a product strategy. And that can be really scary. I know when I first started working in product strategy, I was quite frankly terrified. I had to present to our executive team, and I was certain that they were going to be judging me on some invisible rubric that I didn't know about and that I would be judged insufficient. But it doesn't have to be that scary. Uh, as I've had a few more reps on product strategy, I've started to develop my own frameworks and my own guidelines uh, that I'm bringing here today to share with all of you. After all, it is product school, product con, uh, and what better opportunity than to, to teach you a little bit about how to craft a product strategy and demystify a little bit of this. So about me, uh, my name is Anna Marie Clifton. I'm a product manager at Coinbase. Uh, I am working on the core revenue-generating product. Uh, I also co-host the Clearly Product podcast, which you can find at clearlyproduct.com. And you can find me on the internet at TweetAnnaMarie. I've been in product in San Francisco for about four years, and before that I managed an art gallery in New York City, so coming at it from a bit of a sideways direction. Now, I like to say that learning product strategy is like learning to wiggle your ears. The first time you do it, you're not quite sure if you are, you don't know where that muscle is, you kind of look in the mirror and you're like, is this, am I, am I wiggling my ears, am I? Uh, but as you start to do it more, you'll develop a little bit of a system and you'll start to understand where that muscle is. And as you develop that muscle, it'll become easier. So today, I'm going to give you my four easy steps that I've developed to help me learn how to wiggle my ears. So first, you really have to understand what a product strategy is. Uh, there's not a really clean and clear definition. I've seen a lot of different slide decks, documents, and other artifacts that are called product strategies. Uh, and they all look very different, and they have different forms and different functions. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about what exactly you're looking for in a product strategy. Uh, and then how to craft that core kernel, what, what it is that you're driving for, how to search the opportunity space for something to craft a strategy around. And then once you've done that and fleshed it out a little bit, how do you know if it's any good? How do you evaluate your strategy? And once you've done all of that, taking it into action and bringing your stakeholders around for that, and that's really the core to success for your product strategy. So, learn what you're looking for. Product strategy is 
very poorly defined, I find. I, when I was first looking to understand, I was first crafting my product strategies, I asked my managers, my mentors, executives, what they were looking for. And they all kind of said, uh, you know, you, you know it when you find it. You know it when you see it. Um, it it'll be helpful. Um, and I didn't really find that definition very helpful. So over the years, I've developed my own definition for product strategy, which is a plan that focuses product effort in order to achieve business goals. And I like this definition because it really encompasses the three core parts of product strategy. And we'll break those out. So first of all, product strategy is a plan. It is a cohesive set of actions in a particular sequence with some explanation for why, why that's the right way to go about it. Uh, I like to think about planning as a bit of a fractal process. We've all done sprint planning, and you think about, you know, within a week or perhaps a two-week sprint, you know how to think pretty concretely about what you're going to accomplish. You might even understand it down to the level of the ticket. And then we've all done quarterly planning, where it's a little bit more vague. You don't know what's going to happen each sprint necessarily, but you have a good sense of what the quarter overall needs to accomplish. And then product strategy is just fractally one more level up, uh, typically a year, maybe two years, of where we really need to go and why it is that we need to go there. And this will come from a deep understanding of what's going on in your industry and the particular and unique perspective that you'll bring to it. So a plan. And this plan, you want it to focus product effort. So one of the fail cases that I, I see a lot is that you're going to die by a thousand distractions. Your team is going to get pulled in a hundred different directions, and they're not going to be able to actually accomplish at the end of the year or two years or whatever the time frame is what you were hoping they were going to be able to accomplish. Now, the trick to being able to accomplish what you need is to not do other things. Uh, and a lot of times people, when they start to think about product strategy, they think about it as additive. Like, we're going to go in this direction and we'll accomplish these five things but they don't think about it being also a subtractive process where you have to say what it is that you're not doing. How is it that you're going to accomplish what you're planning on accomplishing if not by not doing everything else? And you need to be very explicit about that because if you're not, your team will not be able to say no to all the different requests and pings that come in. So I like to think about a product strategy as fuel to the no engine of your team. It should be something that your team can point to when a new feature request comes in from sales or potentially the CEO, and they can say, hmm, that doesn't fit with where we're taking the product. That's not part of our product strategy, so we're not going to be able to do that. And it needs to be something that the whole company can get on board with. And lastly, it needs to be focused on achieving business goals. You know, in product, a lot of times we like to exist in this beautiful, pure box of just product. Uh, but the reality is we have a business case that we serve. And if we're not serving that well, we're not doing our jobs. So it's important to remember that you don't have to create these goals, but you better be working within those goals, and the product needs to serve that. Otherwise, what are we even doing here? But one thing to keep in mind is that your product strategy is not the goals themselves. This is actually a pretty common fail case where we'll say, our product strategy is to achieve X metric, and then Y, and then Z, and ta-da, that's what we're doing. Well, it's not actually a strategy. It doesn't tell us how we're going to accomplish that. It's not a plan of action, of coherent steps. This, for instance, is a set of goals. We're going to move into international markets. We're going to go live in 96 countries by the end of the year. And in Q1, we're going to get all our top priority regions. That's great. Those are goals. Those are wonderful goals. They're very tangible, and you should use them as goals but they're not a strategy. 
A strategy, for instance, might be we want to capture new markets. And we're going to do that by developing a light version of our product for low connectivity areas. We're going to invest in an automated internationalization engine because we can't do that manually. And we're going to ensure that all new features are developed in a global first way. And that will limit the total number of features that we can do, but that's important for capturing new markets. So this is the difference when you think about goals versus strategy. They're very easy to confuse, but they're very distinct. And a last rule of thumb, more simple is more better. Uh, you need this product strategy to do something that the whole organization can look to and use as a reason to do or not to do something. And that means everyone needs to absorb it. And if you want people to absorb it, it needs to be one page. Uh, you want the simplest possible product strategy for the broadest possible reach in your organization. So in recap, we are looking to build a plan that focuses product effort to achieve our business goals. We want it to be a coherent set of actions that is in a particular sequence with a good reason for why. And then we're looking for it to be this plan toward the goals, but not the goals themselves. And lastly, we want this to be as simple as possible. One page max, if you can. So now that we have a sense of what we're looking to build, how do we come up with that core gem, that idea, that kernel, that, that bedrock that we can develop a strategy around? How do we search for that? Um, and it really is a search. It's something that we need to, to be able to look around and find. Uh, one thing to keep in mind here is that it's not something that you can just walk into an industry and do. If you're particularly new to your industry, take some time to absorb what's going on, understand the competitive landscape, understand your customers, understand your competitors' customers, and understand the customers you don't have yet uh, that aren't even working with your competitors. Uh, if you haven't done that, it's very, very challenging to be able to come up with an insight that can drive a core product strategy. So caveat, start there. Another caveat uh, is that this is just things that have helped me. This is by no means exhaustive, but I think that these things uh, can benefit you and help you in your search. So this is a framework that I developed called top-down from the company, bottom-up from the customer. And what you're trying to do here is you're trying to look for an intersection of space between where your company needs to go necessarily and what your customers are trying to do for their own benefit. And the idea is to search between those two spaces and find an intersection point. And that is usually a good kernel, a space within which to develop a strategy. So here's how this works. You start with a core vision or a mission, whatever your company is trying to accomplish. And then you say, well, what would have to be true in order for that to be accomplished? And then what would have to be true in order for that to happen? And then you, you back down as far as you can go to draw a pretty clean line of causality. And then set that aside and step over to your customer and start from a core need, a core human need, and step up from that core human need to how they're accomplishing that. And then from how they're accomplishing that to, more limitedly, how they're accomplishing that in your space. Uh, and, and go up as far as you can and down as far as you can and look for an intersection point. If you don't find one the first time, you can try going back up and going down a different branch of causality, or you can start from a different core need and work up from there. But this is a good way to search the space and try and find an opportunity of like where you can evolve the product that you haven't done yet today that's serving a core need and driving toward the mission of where you're trying to take the company. So I'll give you an overly simplified example from Coinbase here. So top down from the company, Coinbase is working to build an open financial system for the world. So I think about, well, an open financial system for a world. That means that we need mass consumer adoption by its very nature. 
well, if we need mass consumer adoption, we also need that of a financial product. And then you can go down a few more steps. You step over to the customer and say, for a financial product, people are looking for financial gain. They're looking for financial security, start from a very core need. And then step up to how they're doing that in your industry today, or potentially how your customer, your competitors are doing it. And you see that in crypto, these customers are looking for financial gain through active trading. And so you find that space in between, and you develop a product strategy around promoting financial gain in the active crypto trading space. So how can you evolve the product to serve that core need that also drives towards where the company is going long term? So this is one strategy you can follow. Another search space that I like to explore is uh, called mapping the value curve of your competitors. Uh, and this is an idea I pulled from Malborn and Kim's Blue Ocean Strategy, which is a book I highly recommend. And I like this tool for a few reasons. So first of all, it's visual, and there aren't a lot of good visual tools in the product strategy space, uh, but we all tend to be very visual people by nature, and product that has a, a pretty common thread of uh, visual nature. Uh, it also forces you to think very holistically and high level about your industry, and as I mentioned earlier, that's going to come at the heart of really understanding where to go, is this understanding of your industry. Um, and so this is really a good forcing function for that. And the last thing that I like about this is it's a very customer-focused, customer-centric methodology. Uh, and it's really easy to lose that when you're starting to get to the mindset of, of strategy. It's easy to think about the customer when you're working on a particular feature and thinking about how someone will use that, what job it serves, what they're trying to accomplish. But when you're at a very high level trying to think about how to move your company forward, sometimes it's easy to lose sight of the customer. So this really helps you not do that. So here's how it works. We're mapping the value curve of your competitor. The core idea here is that your industry competes on a number of factors. So in the auto industry, for instance, they're competing on price, fuel economy, aesthetic, um, safety, for instance, and so on. And the idea is that your customers come to your industry and are looking at those particular factors. And they're like, well, how much does this car cost? How safe is it? How pretty is it? How fast does it go? And how fuel efficient is it? And those are the, the factors that they're considering. So the idea is that you would draw out the curve of how your industry competes. And this is one I made up for the music streaming industry. So the idea here is that music streaming has pretty moderate price, and they're offering customers a really, really high selection, every song in the world, essentially. Uh, they're also offering an offline experience and discovery experience for new music. So just simply building this map is actually a really good way to distill your knowledge of an industry and ensure that you're really thinking about what's going on. And that might help you develop insights in and of itself. But another thing that's useful here is that you can think about the negative space as well. So you've mapped out this curve. And something that might stand out to you here is this selection is really, really high here. This is a, a really uh, impressive point of competition but high selection implies high royalty fees. So maybe there's an opportunity for you to offer lower selection if you were to do something else as well. So the idea is you want to extend the number of factors that the industry is competing on by adding a new one, and that allows you to compete in a new space. Potentially, you could even ask a higher price for lower selection, a worse offline experience, and middling discovery if you offered something new, like a direct experience, relationship with the artists. And the idea here is that, obviously, you need to understand what your customers are looking for and what your non-customers are looking for. But the value curve can help you map out a negative space and explore opportunities you might not have thought of before. Lastly, 
one of the best places to look for ideas is within the minds of your own colleagues. Uh, I find that a lot of times in product we think, you know, we're responsible for having the ideas, so let's just sit alone in a room and maybe read Mary Meeker's report, but, like, that's it. Uh, but really, your company is full of people who were drawn to work at that company in that industry and potentially have worked in other in- companies in that industry before. They're likely brimming with ideas and they're spotting trends with your customers. So I recommend every product manager have a panel of experts in their organization. They're go-to people that they trust that are identifying what's going on. So these are going to be people in the exec team. These are going to be people in product, likely user research, support, and everywhere throughout your company. Just start to find the people that are talking about the pains that the customer has. You're not necessarily looking for people who have the best new feature idea or who are watching Product Hunt every day, but you really want to understand what trends are going on. And there's a lot of people in your organization that you might have overlooked that probably have that information and that insight. And remember, it's not your job to have all the great ideas. It's just your job to champion them. You know, a lot of times we have this opinion that the product manager has to drive those ideas, but really you don't have to be the one to come up with them. So be more humble about that and make sure you're working with the panel of experts in your organization. So to recap, a few strategies that you can use to search the opportunity space. You can think about coming top-down from what your company is trying to achieve and bottoms-up from what the customer needs, its core needs, looking at that intersection space in the middle. You can map out the value curve of your competitors and try and identify negative space there. And you can really get to understand the minds of your colleagues and query the panel of experts that you work with. So once you've done that and once you've found that germ that you're going to build a core strategy around and you have this this core concept, you start fleshing out what you think are going to be the right steps in what sequence and why that might be. But how do you know if this is ready for prime time? How do you know if this is a good product strategy? So this is actually a really important part of the product strategy development process, is being able to evaluate your own work. So I found a few things helpful here. Um, We all remember in grade school when we were trying to learn different parts of speech, and there are these little phrases that you use. So if you're trying to see if something's an adjective, you say, the girl was very blank. So the girl was very fast. The girl was very happy. And like, oh, those are adjectives. The girl was very banana, not an adjective. Um, Or with prepositions, around the box, over the box, under the box, through the box. Those are all prepositions. So I find that finding the right sentence to force you to finish it can actually be a really good forcing function for understanding if you've developed something strong. So I like these two sentences. We are going to focus our efforts to achieve our goals by blank. And if you can answer this sentence, if you can finish this sentence with an answer from your one-page product strategy uh, that's cohesive, then what you're doing is you guarantee that you're talking about a focused effort, you're talking about narrowing in, and you've answered that question, and you're also talking about how it'll accomplish those goals, which guarantees that it's not goals in and of itself, which is, again, another common fail case. And then another sentence you can use is, this is the most effective way to do this because blank. And again, this is another good forcing function sentence you can use to establish that you've evaluated the opportunity space and you've established a good core conceit and you've established a good structure of how you should accomplish this. And one of the best things that you can do is actually give your product strategy to one of those panels of experts, one of those trusted colleagues, and ask them to finish the sentence for you. Say, here, read this doc, and then like finish, fill out the sentence. 
and get a sense of if people, as you share this around, get a sense of if people are really getting the same sentence from your doc and if it's a really compelling sentence. And then lastly, watch for signs of passion. And this is the truest sign that you have that you've hit something, is that as you share it with people, even as you're just sharing an early draft, a work in progress, they're going to want to take that and they're going to want to run with it. They're going to ask, oh, oh, this is great. I'm you know, a designer. I've got some ideas I want to sketch out. Or if it's a product manager, they might say, oh, this gives me some feature ideas. Have you thought about X, Y, and Z? And they might even write, start writing specs toward that. Uh, if you share it with executives, they might start asking you for timelines when you're going to start delivering some of those. Uh, and if you share it with, uh, with your engineers, they might start thinking about how they can use that to reprioritize some of their work. And people are really hungry for good product strategy. And so when they see something that they believe they can get behind, they're going to start running with that and they're going to start trying to use it before you're even ready to let it out of the gate. And that's actually a really good temperature test to know when you are ready to let it out. Are people already asking you to? So in recap, you know you'll have a strong product strategy when it answers the questions of how it focuses the work to achieve the, product goal, the business goals and when it answers the, the, why it's the most effective path sentence. But really, the big thing you're looking for is passion and the people that are seeing it. Are they already running with it? So lastly, you've done all this work. You've developed this great strategy. You feel pretty confident in it. How do you actually move it into action? How do you bring your stakeholders along so that you can move forward with this in the organization? Well, surprise. Trick question. They should already be with you. Uh, I talked about in the search space, you should be working with a panel of experts that includes executives. You should be pulling them for their insights, and they should be with you along this journey. It's part of that sounding process. You should be pulling as you're asking. And then, as you develop your ideas, you should start pushing out to increasingly large share circles. So maybe you have that one or two very close colleagues that you really trust their ability to, to look at something that's pretty rough. Maybe look at something that you're going to throw away. You share the first version with them, and they'll give you feedback, and you're, maybe you'll throw that away. Maybe you'll, you'll develop something new. But as you gain confidence and as it evolves, you should be sharing it with a broader and broader circle. And as people are gaining passion and excitement about this strategy, they'll start sharing it with other people too. And so by the time you get to a point where you're looking to bring your stakeholders along and move this into action, they should already have heard of it. You should already be pretty on the same page about it. But that said, it's still really important to get that formal stamp of approval. Because what you want this product strategy to do is give people the confidence to say yes or no to requests. And if someone's going to have the confidence to say no to a feature request, they need to understand that this is a protected and approved product strategy. That this is something that leadership will stand behind and say, yes, this is what we're doing for the next two years. You should use this to say yes or no. So you probably have a lot of different options for getting that formal stamp of approval in your organization. Maybe it's a leadership review. Maybe it's a product review. Maybe there's some email process or something like that. But whatever you do, just make sure you get something formal and something public from someone very senior saying that this is approved and this is what we're going to move forward with. But I like to say, don't bring a marriage license to the second date. Again, you want to make sure that when you walk into that room, everyone who needs to say yes has already said yes before you walk in the room. So to recap, if you want to bring your stakeholders along, make sure you're doing it from the beginning as that part of that poll process and trying to get ideas. 
And then make sure you're, you're doing it from the mid-stage of that share process of the increasingly uh, more broad share circle as you're gaining more confidence. And then get that formal stamp of approval at the end. That's actually really, really crucial. So looking back across what we've learned today, hopefully now you understand what you're looking for in a product strategy. You're looking to craft a plan that focuses your product effort to achieve business goals, something that narrows in, something that has a sense of cohesion, steps in a sequence, and a reason for why. Uh, and hopefully you've learned a couple opportunities, uh, a couple ways to search the opportunity space. You've learned how to come top down from the company, bottom up from the customer, and look at that intersection. You've learned how to map out the value curve of your competitive industry and look for negative space there. And maybe you're already thinking of who should be on your panel of experts. And hopefully you've also learned a few ways to understand if you've actually built something really good, ways to understand if this answers the right questions, and now you know to look for that passion in people's eyes and if they're already starting to run with your product strategy. And lastly, hopefully you're already thinking about the stakeholders that you need to be bringing along. Maybe if you're in the middle of product strategy right now, think to go back and and make sure you're bringing those executives into that process early. And remember, it's all about learning how to wiggle your ears. It's going to be uncomfortable, but you'll get better at it over time. And as you practice that muscle, you'll be able to just look in the mirror and wiggle away. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Product Podcast. If you like this episode, don't forget to leave a review on iTunes. For more product insights, head over to productschool.com.